Yo, 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 it's your boy Bearing the Smarks with another episode of Bearing the Smarks. Today I got a special, special, special guest. It's my homeboy, uh, Prince. Go ahead, man, introduce yourself. All right, man. Hey, it's Prince Takanat. I'm a 13 year veteran of the independent scene in New York and New Jersey. I've uh, been kicking around the Indies for a while, and uh, happy to be here, bro. Thank you for inviting me. All right, so we got a pro. On the podcast, and this is a first because I've never had any pro wrestlers on the podcast. This is like really, really dope, and I'm excited because I have questions, and it's just I think it's gonna be a really good episode, just like every other episode. So, man, just tell us a bit about yourself, what promotions you worked in, like what what kind of character you have, and how 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 have the last 13 years been for you? You know, on the independent scene. Oh, sure. I mean, it's very kind of you to call me a pro. I mean, I'm I'm an indie guy. I've never made my living doing this, so I want to just set a reasonable expectations. I'm not God gets the wrestling by any but been around, I've seen some shit. Um, I've been, I came out of the ECPW school in Jersey, and from there I've wrestled for really whoever will have me. Uh, Ace has been a big part of my career. Uh, I did a few matches for CZW, uh, Dojo Wars. Other than there's other places, Crowbar was running a promotion that was pretty big for a while. I think he's done with that. LAW, I was on Grimm's Toy Show, which is the whole animal into its own. Oh, that's um, dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no matter what else I've done, no matter what uh, former WWE champions or Hall of Famers I've been in the ring with, I get more messages about GPS than anything else. Oh, that's nice, man. I mean, I know you said you're not a pro, but to me, you're considered a pro as opposed to like the people who who've never stepped in the ring or actually been to, like, wrestling school, like myself and many others. So you definitely learn your craft, and you've been in it long, and people are giving you great feedback. So I consider you a pro, man, and, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot, man, from what I've seen and from what i heard to make it and to keep going, to put your body through it, the mile on the road. So, you know, I appreciate it, man, and, um, you know, good good work. Um, I thank you. So I, I, I know you run a YouTube page, and you cut some really, really cool interesting promos um you know i just want the people to know like i want to know as well like what kind of character are you are you like a heel are you a baby face like do you toy in the middle like what kind of character are you well that's the interesting uh, question for any wrestler on social media in 2020 uh you know different promotions i work for i gotta be a heel different promotions i work for i gotta be a face and at the end of the day you know the prince akhenaten brand is still just a brand, it's a business um, that's got to move in between different promotions. So I still have to sell myself. I have to sell myself to other promoters and I have to sell merchandise and things like that. And also just sell myself to get followers and get that sort of coveted attention, all the likes and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, I think for the most part, I'm a heel. There are places where I'm definitely a baby face. But I always have that baby face vibe. Uh, You know, my character is usually more more comedy oriented and it's more of a and I use this term very loosely a realistic comedy when I say realistic I mean what I do as opposed to uh, Dick Justice doing the finger gun uh, invisible hand grenades slow motion you know the surreal comedy which you know, there's a place for that too I'm not knocking those guys Dick Justice is actually a really good friend of mine and okay. some of the other guys are pretty cool as well but yeah. mine's more like uh, I've equated Prince Agnon to Elmer Fudd you know as a bad guy uh, he's not Dr. Doom. He's not trying to take over the world. He's not the most evil guy in the world. He's just a schmuck <laughs> who's, uh, who's, me- who's messing around with the good guy. All right. And when I am a good, 
when I am a good guy, it's more like a, a Rikishi Borat type of uh, party atmosphere. But overall, Prince is just, is, he's really me. He's a tired veteran who's just kind of kicked around, been a hack, uh, like a Krusty the Clown type of entertainer. <laughs> all right, all right. That's that's pretty dope, man. I know you mentioned you work with some Hall of Famers, and I know you work with some. I've seen the pictures, and um, I know you work with some ex WWE champions and probably other guys from other promotions. But who's been your favorite to work in the ring with? Out of like name guys, um, mm-hmm. but Rikishi's always solid. Um, uh, Kamala was an honor. That was like a dream match of mine going in. Um, and just he's a really good dude, you know, and he's still I'm still I'm happy he's still with us, you know, even though he has had good health in the last yeah, yeah. decade or so. Yeah. But um uh Sergeant Slaughter was a big milestone. The Iron Sheik is always a trip. I I miss seeing the Sheik around as much as I did. Um and of course the Patriot. The Patriot's a very good friend of mine. Who's that Dave um, Wilkes? About, what's that? Does the you mean the Patriot as in Dave Wilkes? <laughs> I was just about to hit on it too, because you know you're you're burying the smart, and the first smart thing that always fucking comes up when people announce the Patriots, oh, it's not the original Patriot. Well, you know it's not Bill Will. Okay, Bill, well, either way, it, man, it's my it's my Patriot. Um, <laughs> we can get into all that smarky shit. Um, oh, and Tito, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Tito. I wrestled, especially last year. I wrestled Tito like five times. Get out of here. Yeah, and, and uh, that guy can still go. I don't know if he could have, like, a WWE run or would even necessarily want one, but he is, and I'm certainly not trying to put anyone else down, but out of all the guys from that era that I've been in the ring with, his mind is still right, body's still in good condition for his age. You know, he's not pride like some of these other fellas. Um, so Tito's, Tito's, I think, Tito is goals. We'll put it that way, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of a certain age, and if I'm of a certain age, still performing, I would want to be like Tito. Okay, yeah, Tito's a legend, man. Oof, yeah. that's that's pretty cool, man. You you name some 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 really cool guys that you work with and you share the ring with, and that's that's pretty awesome, man. And um, I'm I'm pretty sure you learned a lot from these legends, and you know they've you know they give give giving you advice, and I'm damn, that's got to be really cool, man. Like to share the ring with all these guys yeah. who grew up watching. Wow. That's pretty damn cool. Damn, man. Wow. That's that's awesome, man. <clears throat> so you mentioned that my name is Burning the Smarks, and um, technically I tried to bury the Smarks, you know, um, but, you know, um, it, it doesn't go that way all the time, and sometimes it just goes left field. But we'll get into that later. Um, so have you won any championships in your, in your run right now, or you just been, you know... I've had a couple championships here and there. I'm not too often. Uh, I think the thing is, I don't need a championship. I don't even really need to win. In fact, I feel like I've lost most of my matches. I'm, I think by the spring, I'm going to have my 600th match. Uh, if my math is correct. That's coming up soon. And um, I, I'd say I've lost more than half of them. But it's it's a presence. It's a character. You know, and I don't necessarily need a championship to be noticed. And I don't need you know, a victory to be noticed. Yeah. But, uh, the notable ones that I've had, I was the ace fight for flight champion, which is a championship they only defend in multi-man matches, so four-way or six-way. Okay, okay. And it was, a, it was a surprise for me to win that championship, and um, it really sparked my love of multi-man matches. I love being like a good six-way or four-way. It's just so different from like a tag match or something. Yeah, yeah. Something different. It, it, let, it lets you be creative. 
All right. Um, and and I was the UPWA tag team champion with Aaron Bradley, and the whole uh, the whole thing of that uh, program was Princeton Property. Prince Akhenaten purchased the contract of Aaron Bradley, and he was my servant. And then the night we won the one, number one contendership, he decided screw the Prince. He doesn't own me. I'm my own man. And he turned on me. But we were the number one contender. Then we won the title, and uh, we had to spend it together. So all in all, that was a good uh, a good angle, good program, which you don't get a lot of those in the independence. Yeah. It's just you know, there's no TV, and there's no uh, regular fans. So it's hard to run compelling storylines like that. But those are, those are the, the two best championships I've had in 13 years. Okay. So man, I'm, so I'm talking to a champion. I'm talking to like this is great, man. This is this is awesome. Um, going back to you saying that you don't need a championship, um, can you further explain that? Because according, like, well, for the fans like myself and from other fans, they feel like a championship is what is what makes the wrestler elevate them to that next level. And I personally feel like that. I personally feel like some people are good without titles. Some people are good without championships, and some people need a championship to carry the character. But you just mentioned you don't need a title, and it seems like your character is pretty. It's still going, regardless of you not winning many championships. Can you explain on like at least give us your reason why you feel like you don't need a title? Um, I mean, there's a couple different things. Do I think a lot of the fans that would say that talking about modern day WWE, you know, the business changed over the years. I get that, and I'm something of a dinosaur in the way I look at wrestling. Yeah, you know, that's not good. That's not bad. That's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Really, on an independent, like I said, I think the fans, we're talking about fans, like the fans that buy tickets, go to shows. Mm. Uh, whoever's going to see me in a high school gym in Brooklyn, it's not the same person who's going to see me in Elk Lodge in uh, South Jersey. Okay, yeah, that's true. So, even if it's the same promotion, have that sort of continuity, it's just whatever. The fans are going to see a lot of stuff, and I, when it, you know, I'm not a trainer Exactly, but I do work with a lot of new kids, and I just try to get them to slow down. I try to get them to think about what they're doing more than just move, 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 spot, spot, spot. I try to get them to realize the fans are going to see every hip toss. They're going to see every drop kick. They're going to see every flip or whatever. So give them something else to remember. Give them a person first. Give them a personality. Mm, I agree 100%. People yeah, people don't remember matches. They remember moments. And it is cool. It gives you a little instant sort of credibility when you have a championship. But, you know, it's not required. You can get that credibility elsewhere. And I'm not bashing anybody who has a championship. In fact, I, you know, I like a good title right now and then. Somebody, yeah, only yeah. friends we're going to go with you. Hell yeah, I'll take it. I'll be, I'll be flattered. <laughs> but it's something I could do without. You know, I've always learned to just try to be memorable. Yeah. you got to go out there on the independent to realize it's somebody's first time seeing. Yes. It might be somebody's first time seeing wrestling, period. Yeah. But you always you can't take anything for granted. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty damn good way of putting it, you know? Um, yeah, you know, because uh, obviously I have a lot of friends who don't watch wrestling, and then, like, a lot of the times they'll ask me, like, hey, yo, like, what, like, what's the best match? Or, like, what's the best show? Who's, like, the best wrestler out there right now? And a lot of people are probably going to groan me and probably going to be upset, but I would I always say, hey, you got to watch Roman, like, I'm a big Roman fan. I feel like Roman's like a total package. He's got the look. Yeah. He's got the swag. He, he's just got it all. So I would say, yo, always check a Roman Reigns match. Or even check, like, a Brock Lesnar match. Because, you know, like, going back, like, you don't, you need character, you need personality, and you need 
to leave moments. Nobody remembers your title reign from like 20 years ago. They might remember the moment you got a title. They won't remember every single title reign. They won't even remember every single title defense. They'll always remember that that spot in the match where you had everybody, oh, that was hot, you know? So... Uh, you know, so it's, it's it's really not about move sets and titles. It's, it's usually about how you present yourself and how you can keep the eye on you from the fan out in the crowd. Yeah, it's, it's subjective. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. So a question that I personally wanted to ask you, right? So you won championships, right? So the biggest like the biggest mystery is: do wrestlers have to travel with the title, or when you win the title, you head backstage? Do you give the title to the promoter, or are you supposed to carry that title with you? Uh, that varies from promotion to promotion. Yeah. I've had championships I had to get back at the end of the night, and I've had championships that I've traveled with. So right. it depends. Depends on the promotion, right? As, as a general rule, the nicer the championship looks, like if it's custom-made and has the initials of the promotion engraved in it and everything, yeah, that probably cost them some good money. You probably got to get that back. <laughs> if it's a replica, if it's a replica WWF tag belt from the 80s with the with the name painted over the WF logo, yeah, you might be able to trap with that. And I get it; belts are expensive. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, you travel with it, so like, do you pull it out like when you're at dinner, or you just like keep it at home? Like, obviously, you got to keep it safe so it don't you know it don't go missing or get stolen because you know happens a lot with wrestlers who leave their titles in the car or leave it at a restaurant. You know, people lose it, get stolen. <laughs> so you don't yeah, really just leave yeah, it at I, home. I mean, it's all. I'm also a different person, you know, I try not to be too much of a mark for myself. Okay. And I understand, especially like a new guy, if it's their first title, or they're only a year in the business, you get excited about it, or, you know, maybe you have kids or something like that. I don't have kids, and I keep my, when I have a title I bring home, I just kind of keep it in my living room in my apartment, it's a nice little conversation piece, or I use it for promos, maybe, um, but that's about it. I try not to travel with it, like, in, you know, leaving it in the car, even though, it's counterintuitive. You know, the general rule is you bring your gear with you everywhere you go. You never know when you're going to work. Yeah. But yeah. if I know I have a title defense, that's usually booked in. So there's no mystery. Oh, how come you didn't have to bring the title? Well, you know, you know when you're going to defend your title. Okay, okay, okay. Wow, okay, that's, that's, that's good to know. So, you know, you've been all around the independent scene for 13 years. Uh, you know, I want to ask, like, do you have a goal of making it to any of the big companies? Or are you just cool with where you're at now and the legacy you're, you're leaving behind? Um, I mean, right now, for my age, I'm kind of short. I don't have a great body. I'm keenly aware of where I'm at, and there's nothing wrong with it. I've had a pretty good run. It's a small run, I admit it, but it's honest work, as the, the farmer would say. Um, so my goal, my immediate goals are, you know, the goal is kind of always moving. The chains keep moving, basically. The recent goal I achieved is I just wrestled in 2020, meaning I've wrestled with three different techniques. I mentioned that earlier, I'm going to have my 600th match. So, like, those sort of goals, they just kind of keep coming, and they don't stop coming. Yeah. Uh, I just want to stay healthy. I want to keep myself, you know, I'm not in a bodybuilder shape, but I try to keep myself in good shape, keep moving, and put on better matches than people expected me. Mm-hmm. And I like to give back. I like to work with newer kids. Um, over the years, I've gotten a reputation of being able to work with limited people whether that means they're brand new and they don't really know how to work yet or they're old and they can't do much which you know may happen uh or they're coming back from an injury or they're trying out a new gimmick or i've been in a few situations where i was not even in there with an actual wrestler 
Um, if I might diverge for a quick story, I was on a show in a bar in Spanish, New Jersey, and I see the lineup, and I'm on last. You know, seven matches, the seventh match is Prince versus this guy, Pico. Pico, who the hell Pico? You know, it's, yeah, yeah. I know the promotion, I know the area, I've been in this area for my whole life in wrestling, and I'm like, I never heard of Tico. Uh, he's like, oh, he's on his way. He's here, though, somewhere. I'm like, oh, okay. And I keep looking. So I go, he goes, he's behind the bar. I'm like, okay. I don't, I didn't see any wrestler. I saw a couple people at the bar. Yeah, I guess I'll meet him later. Then it's intermission. Then it's after intermission. I go to the promoter. I go, hey, man, where's Tico? He goes, I introduce you. The bartender, this big fat guy in a yellow t-shirt comes over. It's like, this is Tico. And Tico doesn't really speak much English. And he's just like, I trained with Carlos Colon in the 70s. I'm like, really? Okay. Good. <laughs> and uh, I guess maybe he did, uh, you know, 70 for a while ago. And that this happened in like 2015. So whatever he learned, he forgot. Um, I was just trying to not get killed. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's supposed to be the good guy. He literally owns the place. So I want to make him look good. I don't have a problem begging off and trying to make him look strong. But he's stomping me like he's a bad guy. And then I see him climb up on the turnbuckle, and I'm like, oh, oh no, shit. fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's guy probably almost 300 pounds, legit. Like, you ain't falling on me, you fat motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it's a pretty rowdy crowd in his bar. They they all know him. Yeah, um, yeah. So and he's like I, the hometown hero. Outside. Yeah, but literally, hometown, home business, all of that. I go outside just to sort of, you know, bay off and mess with the fans. And I see this one fan, older gentleman, coming right for me with his fist cocked like he's going to punch me. And in those two seconds, they think about all the old timers that say, oh, man, the fan came in the ring and hit me. And once they hit you, you can do whatever you want to them. So I'm like, all right, man, come and get me. Come and get me. You throw the first punch, and then you're done. I'm going to do whatever I can do to you. And this guy winds up, and he hits me with a work punch. <laughs> like, he pulled his punch, threw a fake punch at me. And I'm like... What? <laughs> what? What am I supposed to do? Uh, like, uh, so I wound up pushing him into a fence and then just going back in there with a trained bartender. Uh, bartender shoves me down, goes up on the turnbuckle. He does a big splash and then he tries to get up for more. I literally pull him back down on top of me. I'm like, stay here. One, two, three. <laughs> I'm like, no, man. Match is over. Match is done. Let's say I'm getting out. Well, that's yeah, crazy, man. <laughs> so you you basically worked the match, um, and you guys call like the spots in the ring, or do you guys like, because literally you met him at the bar, and then you guys were in the ring, so you guys didn't call any spots, or you didn't call anything before that. You just went in the ring like that. Um, I tried. Like I said, there was a bit of a language barrier. Too. Okay. I mean, I speak a little Spanish, but probably not enough to call a match. Um, right. And he was busy running his bar, and I also kind of realized this guy's probably not going to remember because we did I, I can't remember exactly what we discussed but whatever we did discuss he didn't do it because I always try to tell the first thing we're going to do I mean you know this varies from opponent to opponent of course some guys don't like to talk about stuff some guys only like to talk about stuff I'm kind of in between I'm flexible but um the first thing I wanted this guy to do whatever it was let's just say push me he forgot I'm like okay you forgot the first thing I know what we're in for now yeah, yeah. Kind of feel this. Hope for the best. Uh, sounds like you, you did your best, man. You say, hey, man, that's it. No more top moves. Stay right here, pin yeah, me, and exactly. get out of here. All right. Yeah, exactly. So, as, like I said, I'm I'm a fan. Been a fan since I was like maybe five. Um, my 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 dream is I don't know if I can do it at my age now, but my dream is to take a bump in the ring, right? Ah, uh, sure you can. 
how was like how was the experience of like throwing your body on that mat, running those ropes, and literally jumping off the top turnbuckle and just missing your opponent landing on the you know landing? What is it? How how is it what fifteen feet off the ground when you're on the, on the top turnbuckle? Or is it like less than that? The top turnbuckle to the mat? Yeah, eh, that's probably like eh, maybe like six feet. Or right, if you're standing up? Yeah, I mean yeah. All right. Yeah, this is on the ring, but probably about six feet is what I guess uh, from the turnbuckle to the mat. All right, so you know, how's like, like, how was your body after? Because I know you trained years ago, you might have forgot how it felt. But how was your body? How did your body get used to taking those kind of bumps? You know, as uh, and what what made yeah? Because I mean, I don't I don't cut you off, but like, what made you stick around? Like, I know you have a lot of passion for it, but taking those kind of bumps, taking those kind of hits. Like, the normal man might just be like, you know, fuck this shit, I'm out. Like, I'll just watch this shit from yeah. my house. But you kept going, and you've been in it for 13 years now. So, yeah. how did you decide, like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to put my body through. This is what I'm going to do with myself. Like, has this always been your dream to, to accomplish, or has it just been something, like, you tried and it stuck? Uh, it's a combination of things. Like I mentioned, the, the goals keep moving. Yeah. And the first goal I had when I just went into wrestling school was... I want to see if I can handle it. My goal wasn't even to necessarily have a first match. Certainly that could have been a goal. But the immediate goal was, let's just see if my body can handle this shit. I was 22 when I started training, which I guess it seems like late to me now, because I see all these kids training at... 17, 16, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I was 22, and I was... You know, I've never been in great shape, but I was way fatter when I started training. I was like, good... 270 when I started and not look not, not a good 270 a fat 270 yeah, not like yeah. football player 270 World of Warcraft <laughs> 270 um and um you know I just got through it and I almost quit training because it was kind of it I'm like I kind of handled it I tried it uh I was not a natural my early bumps were terrible like I couldn't actually land properly I landed okay they just didn't look very good mm. and um it was the summer of 2006, and the guy called me to come back and keep training, and eventually I had a match. Once I found the gimmick, uh, or what was the gimmick at the time, it got easier, uh, and that's another part of it. Like you realize when you're more entertaining, the more gaga is what we call it in the business, which is sort of like the bits of business beforehand, the screwing around, the stalling, the comedy. The more of that you can be entertaining without taking a ton of bumps or the other guy taking a ton of bumps. You know, I, I could be more memorable just landing on my nuts, landing on somebody's knee and I could go around telling my nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody took a bump and they, you know, it's a really abstract example, but that might be more memorable. So I got mileage out of that. And really the big turning point happened to me when I was invited to a, uh, I guess it was like a lunch or a little party at a house of Davey O'Hannon. And Irish Davey O'Hannon was an underneath guy for the Vince Senior, for the WWF in the 80s. Oh, and sure. he worked a bunch of other territories as well. Mm-hmm. His son was training in the business at the same time I was. We were really good friends. So his son invited me over while Davey Senior invited all the other guys over who were also underneath guys for the time. Mm-hmm. Johnny Rod, Manny Soto, Sanchez, uh, Dick Worley, the referee. So these are all underneath names in the early 80s. And, you know, they might be lost on a lot of fans, which is unfortunate. Um, but I saw all these older guys. I don't believe any of them were still wrestling. They all had this in common. 
And I was already starting to make my own friendships, but I saw how these friendships ultimately progressed to these guys who were in their 50s, 60s, sometimes 70s at this party, and they didn't change. They were still laughing and joking and ribbing each other and bullshitting and talking about, ah, oh, this guy sucks or this guy's great. It's just, that's wrestling. Generation to generation. You know, the moves change, the pace changes, uh, the way it's presented might change, but at the end of the day, we're still workers. Yeah. And once I realized I'm a worker, not a great worker, not a popular worker, but I'm a worker, I'm part of this. I have my own little niche in the business. And it's something I've held on to. And of course, going along, I've met other veteran talent who helped, out, helped me out and helped that other younger talent. So even if I'm not going to be a household name or an action figure or anything like that, I could be the next version of Magic or the Kodiak Bear or Mr. Bulala or these are other oh, veteran shit. names. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard of that guy in a long time, man. Oof. Which one? Uh, Mr. Ooh La La? Yeah, he's still wrestling. I've actually never met him. No? We like each other's stuff on Instagram. He's like the last of the major, uh, I think he's actually from Delaware, but I would call him a New York area vet anyway. He's the last major New York area vet I haven't worked with. And, uh, I would love it if somebody could make that happen at some point. Yeah, you hear that? Because somebody make that happen. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, (laughs) the crazy thing is I have like maybe, under 4,000 followers. But when I look like, at the, the stats of my podcast, it, get list, mm-hmm. it's, it gets listened to by hundreds of thousands of people. So I'm wow. pretty sure, yeah, it's, it's fucking amazing. So I'm pretty sure somebody out there who might know him can make that happen. And I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there who does custom figures who needs to make a custom figure of my boy Prince. Make that happen too. <laughs> make that happen because I'm... Well, you- huh? well, I just actually got dolls. I don't know if you saw them on the gram. I, uh, yeah, I got saw dolls those. made of the yeah, so those are available now. Just uh, find me on Instagram. That's at Prince Akhenaten, A-K-K-A-N-A-T-K-N. You hear that? We need some, buy the merch and make him a custom figure and get this guy's match going before it's too late because we need that match and he <laughs> needs a match. Oh, I man. I missed out on Lord Zoltan. I don't want to miss out on Ulala. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I actually... Ah, man. I learned about him through... Um, well... When you said your age in the year you started training, so I'm like, I put two and two together. I'm like, yeah, we're about the same age. So back mm-hmm. back in the 90s, like the late 90s, um, I'm not sure how it was where you were at, but there was like, it was very, very popular, like the free wrestling hotlines. She would call yeah, and you would listen to for like 15, 10 minutes, and it'll be like somebody talking about like, this is before the, in- like not before the internet, but before anyone can get access to the internet. So you would call and you'll have somebody, you know, speak about matches and just give like their own general review of Raw or Nitro or Smoky Mountain. So there was this guy who I called for like 10 years straight, man. His name was Dominic Valenti. So he was like a big fan of his and he will always talk about him on his hotline. Um, Over the years, the numbers have changed and, you know, with Internet, you know, progressing, like I really didn't need to, I really didn't have to call the hotline anymore. I would just go online, but... He was he was somebody who put me on to him, and that's how I became a fan of his as well. So, you know, the late '90s uh, wrestling hotlines that took over New York; those were some good times, man. Yeah, man. my mom hated the bill, but you know, what could she do, man? <laughs> she hated that bill because I would call three times a day and couldn't wait to oh, wow. leave my yeah. Because some some of these guys updated their hotline throughout the day. You know, I would get home. I call in the morning before I went to school. I call when I came back from school, and then I call when, like when I'm, I'm going to bed. So those are good times, man, to be a wrestling fan in the 90s. Um, yeah, man. So, all right, so we got your career covered, your training covered, 
and you know you you spoke on the goals you have set for yourself and how you're achieving your goals um so what do you think of the current product now like in mainstream wrestling like you know we got new promotions uh we got a lot of opportunities for a lot of the wrestlers out there to find work and um like what what do you keep up with like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put you on the spot and say hey what's your favorite promotion but who are talents from all these brands and all these shows that you enjoy watching and you think will be a top star in the future? Um, yeah, no, I was prepared for some kind of question like this. Um, it's good, of course, because there's more places for guys to work and possibly even make a living. Uh, I don't know what kind of cash flow these places will have in five or ten years. I don't think anyone should really try and compete with WWE. That's a monolith, and they have all this money behind them and all this history behind them. Nobody can make a dent in that at this point. They're fighting from higher ground, and the way it looks right now, WWE is unthinkable. So, any other promotion should just put that out of their head. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being an alternative. Um, that being said, I don't watch much wrestling, to be quite honest. Um, Probably sick not, of it, right? You know, I've, it's not, yeah, it's not even like I'm so much better than that. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm too cool for the room or anything like that. Far mm. from it. Um, it's a combination of, you know, you're just saying it's a great time to be a fan in the 90s. We have all this backlog in our minds, you and me and other guys our age. We, we didn't just, we're not just familiar with wrestling from the past. We grew up through it. You know, it's one thing you could, if you're 10 years old right now, you can get on WWE Network and you can watch King of the Ring 93 or, you know, Rumble 94 and all these other old pay-per-views. And you can enjoy it. But, you know, we lived through it. We saw it week by week and we saw these personalities grow and we were kids, we were the target audience. Mm -hmm. So it meant something more to us. And it's not going to compare to that. Um, you know, there are moments that are cool, there are definitely moments, but I can't get through a Raw or a SmackDown without fast-forwarding. Yeah, yeah. It just, it doesn't, I'm not invested the way I used to be. There's guys that are definitely cool. Um, I love Braun. I like heavy machinery. Um, you know, they're sort of throwback. Um, yeah, Seth Rollins kind of reminds me of Brett in a way. Uh, they're in a good place. Like, it's still a good program. Um, AEW, I can't really get into. Uh, eh, I maybe I haven't tried enough, but it's just not my, my not my genre. You know, like like I say, as wrestlers, we're musicians. Mm, yeah. And some are some some are just different. You know, we all know the scales; those are your basic backbones. But eventually, we get into playing our own kind of music, and some are like total. Uh, a total style clash. Sometimes those are fun, you know, Daniel Bryan versus Kamala or something like that, but they're two really different styles. Um, and I, you know, it doesn't make any genre better or worse. It's just something for everybody. I have a taste. Yeah, exactly. I have a taste of what I like as a worker. I have a taste of what I like as a fan. And AEW just doesn't really do that. NWA, NWA Power does. I like what NWA is doing these days. That's yeah, cool. so do I. I think it's it's like a it's like a cool nod to the throwback. It's I think it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. The, awesome. the question mark is really funny. Oh, <laughs> um, and um, I haven't really watched much else. Like I know MLW is like kind of big. I'm not from. I have a lot of friends that work there. I should be way more familiar with it than I am. But it is what it is. Yeah, um, I met somebody from over there, and, and the, you know, he kind of put me onto the show. Somebody that works over there, used to work there. He kind of can't name him, but he put me onto the show, and I started watching him. I'm like, yo, this is this is fucking dope. This is different, but it's dope. 
It's like uh, it's, it's I believe like there should be no reason why everybody wants to compete for that spot. Like we're in an age right now where you can thrive, like just you know you can thrive with WWE in the scene. Like, you don't need to take them down to thrive. Like there's so much right. wrestling out there and so many different ways of watching it. You don't need to compete because the same fan you're competing is there's not that many wrestling fans out there. To be honest, like you got people who are hardcore fans, you got people who check in it and check out whenever they get a chance, you know. But you you can't you shouldn't be competing for the same fan because the same fan will pay thirty bucks to attend an AEW show and next week fly out and go and go to Royal Rumble. So you, there's really no need for competition. Like you can share the fan. Seeing with oh any, yeah, especially now you don't have to flip channels anymore. No, catch up on everything. Full yeah. streaming. That's the major difference. Um, I think we are primed. We're not in a wrestling boom right now. I hate when they're smart. They're like, it's a wrestling. It's not a wrestling. Not right now. Yeah. But I do think all the pieces are in place for there to be a wrestling boom within the next couple of years. Yeah. Not saying it'll definitely happen, but everything's in place. There's a potential for a competitive landscape, and there's been a major technological change in terms of streaming. Every boom that's been, there was something new. When there was a boom in the 90s, that means we had the internet. There was a boom in the 80s, 70s, we had cable, the boom in the 50s was because we had television. So there's always some sort of new technology relatively close to that boom period, a little after. Hmm, I so think about I it like think that. the stage is set for a wrestling boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about that a lot, but I don't, I don't know, man. It's just like, you know, like, I don't know. When I was a kid, it wasn't that much, there wasn't that much options out there to uh, entertain you as a kid. You had cartoons, you had your toys, and then you had wrestling. Right now, there's so much other shit out there to entertain these kids. And, like, nobody wants to hear it, but the kids are the one that start the boom period. They're the guys oh, yeah. who, who, the kids are the, are the, like, the kids literally start the boom period. Like, the kids are watching, they go to school, and once a kid likes something, it fucking goes on fire. It's a trend. It sets everything on fire. You gotta get it, because the kids are into it. And, like, I don't know, man, like... Like I had my son the other day on on the podcast, and you know I was asking him questions, and like wrestling is not like a, a priority for him, like it was for us, or I mean I can't speak for you, but like it was for me when I was his age. And it's like he's like, nah, I'd rather play Fortnite. Yeah, yep. I'd rather watch I'd rather watch YouTube videos of other people playing Fortnite. It's it's not like oh, I I gotta see who Seth Rollins is gonna curse down today. That's how it was for me as a, as a fan. Like yo, I gotta see. Who Stone Cold's gonna stun tonight? You know, but it's like a, this different yeah. dynamics now. So I mean, it's, it's hard to call if there will be a boom period like that again. I don't. I think it's. I think it might have. You know, hit its peak. You know, I mean, the closest boom period we had was when John Cena was like on top. Like John Cena was everywhere. Like, I think my grandma knew about John Cena. You know, John Cena was. Yeah, like, John Cena. John Cena is the latest guy to actually transcend wrestling. There's not many of them. Like, yeah, probably been no more than ten. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, uh, I think Roman might be close to it because of just of his popularity with, like, the kids and with women. And I don't think he's there yet, though. I mean, he would need something else. Yeah. Like, when WWE has their, and they've been doing it forever, you know, whenever they have their top guy, they try to get him into the major. You know, I remember when Nash was their champion, Diesel was the champion in 95 when we were kids. They oh, put yeah. him out there, they put him on, like, Regis and Kathy Lee and give him magazine interviews. Yeah, it didn't work. point, it was there. But it's not the same. In fact, I saw one of your posts today on the gram with something about how Jericho was wrestling at a higher level than Hogan was in 97. But it's not the same. Like, yeah, Jericho's probably having better matches yeah. like from a technical point. But, yeah, 
Yeah. Hogan, The Rock, and Austin. They're the only three that truly transcended. Maybe Andre, but that's kind of something different. But Hogan, Rock, Austin, they're the three that transcended wrestling. Yeah. You just After mean- that, you can, get, you can get kind of iffy. Maybe Cena, maybe Flair, maybe Piper, maybe Taker, maybe McFoley. And then after that, it's just, you got to kind of be a wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. You just named three of the top guys, right? That, and and when you, I think you named Austin, Hogan, and who else? And The Rock. All right. So normally when people name the top three guys, they always throw in Savage in there. So I noticed you didn't throw Savage in there. And, you know, this might be an unpopular opinion with a lot of people. I, I was never really a fan of Savage like that. Were you? Oh, no, I loved Randy Savage. Yeah? No, he, that, was my, that was my guy when I was a kid. But I tried to take a step back and, like, I was you know, if you're on the bus or you're on the train, you know, first of all, don't talk to strangers. <laughs> but if you were going to talk to a stranger, like, hey, name a wrestler. Yeah, They're going to name one of those three guys. Yeah. Most likely. Probably those two guys. They'd probably name either The Rock or Hope. Maybe Hulk Hope. Yeah, um, that's true. And I don't know if they would name Savage. Um, you know, he's the Slim Jim guy to non-wrestling fans. Yeah, that's or, true. Or the Spider-Man guy. well known. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I mean, growing up, I was a big Hogan fan, and I was a Warrior fan. Like, Savage, Oh yeah. maybe I didn't like Savage because he was a really good heel, and I just didn't like him because of it, and maybe that's why I'm not a big fan of his, because he was a heel when I was watching, and, but, no, yeah. No, he was a macho king at the time. But, my, you know, it was, it was, it was, I mean, matter of fact, I was more of a Warrior fan than Hogan. Like, you know, this is good, it was good time, man. Like, I was, I was, just more of a Warrior fan, and I think um, once the the new generation came in, I became a Bret Mark. Like that's it, man. Like oh, yeah. that was the best for me. Like it, it didn't get no better than Bret Hart, you know. So I was always about the heel. I yeah, was, I was the, when I was a kid. Yokozuna was my guy. Yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah, that was my favorite. And then Bigelow. Yeah, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Man. Um, and, uh, what yeah, about Papa Shango? Like, Papa Shango was a, a favorite heel of mine. I just thought he was cool because he put like voodoo spells in everybody, made people throw up. You, what you thought about? What you thought about Papa Shango? Oh hell yeah! yeah. I said I don't think he's taking bookings anymore to wrestle, but that was somebody who was kind of on my bucket list to wrestle. Uh, that's the Godfather or Papa Shango, but a uh, great guy. I always hear such great things about him from uh, other guys in the business. Um, yeah, just a really cool guy. So I got I wrote a question that I asked you, right? Yeah. So um, um, I'm sorry, man. Somebody's waving at me. Um, so um, I'm hearing like you know reading a lot of things going on on Twitter and Instagram more so about um the backstage stuff that happens, right? As far as like you know like the bullying and the and the racism, you know I hate to switch subjects that quick into something so so awful but um you know um does like have you ever encountered stuff like that you don't have to name anybody but have you ever seen from afar or have you ever encountered it personally um like racism or bullying or any kind of like um sexual harassment or seen it backstage at any of your events um these days i think most of the bullying happens behind a keyboard like most other bullying. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily happening in the locker room. It's the nature, it's the nature of wrestlers and it's the nature of humans to just kind of talk shit yeah. and hopefully it never goes that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's always clicks and things like that. Um, I hope to never see it. 
I do try to step in, especially you did mention sexual harassment. Mm. Here's the thing, I'm not trying to fuck anybody in the business anymore. So I've got to make sure nobody else will either. <laughs> so I, I'm not purposely being a cock but here's the thing. If there's a woman in the locker room, mm. odds are she's not interested in most guys. And, you know, I don't want to get in the way of anybody, but I've seen too many talented women in wrestling get completely scared away from this business because guys don't know how to act. They act like they just got out of jail or something. Um, and I don't like that. Uh, yeah. There was a time, and you know, I'm not going to name the girl, but actually we were just uh, talking about her the other day, you and I. Oh, shit. And I, yeah, that was more of an era where any women I was on a show with, they would kind of keep to themselves. And it might seem like they were stuck up, and I'm not saying they were, but I get it. You know, they didn't want to subject themselves to I'll give out the wrong guys impression. acting like... Yeah. Yeah, guys acting like fools. And, you know, certain guys, all you got to do is like, oh my gosh, she smiled at me. She must like me. No, bro. He's trying to be polite. Yes, yeah, professional. Yeah. Exactly. You've got to be a professional. Act like it. Yeah. Nowadays, it's much more integrated. I'm on, and also maybe it's also because I'm older, so I'm not seen as a threat, and or I'm known to not be a threat, so maybe it's just women are nicer to me. Mm. Female workers are nicer to me. Um, and there's more things like intergender matches and things like that. So women aren't as much of a, a, a sideshow attraction in the wrestling world as they used to be. Even just 12 years ago, which doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah, but it's, it's even changed that a lot. Changed. Yeah, so hopefully, and if anything, I'm more concerned when they go out for intermission. I never wanted to be a fan, acting crazy or anything like that. So Yeah, it's that's just... And it's, I'm sorry, Matt. It's just, it's just like... You know, like, we live in an era where everybody... Like, I don't know, man. I don't know about you, but I think we live in an era where fans of wrestling, or just fans in general of any kind of genre, sport, entertainment, they look for things to get offended by. It's like they search high and low. Hey, I want to get offended by this. You know, so they use wrestling. Wrestling is, like, a huge target because wrestling is so protected from the inside out. People really don't know that. Like, people think they know the ins and outs, but they really don't. So, you know, when things like this happen and then people are like, why did this come out years later or why did no one speak on it? You know, is it because wrestling is protected from inside, from like the from the from the worker standpoint? And, you know, you got to protect the business. Or you protect the happenings of the locker room or what happens. Is that why things are like that? Or is it just because like people don't really don't want to speak up? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily as protected as it used to be. If anything, I think the business has gotten better at policing itself. Okay. Um. Like, nobody truly gets blackballed anymore. Uh, business isn't as tight as it was. Promoters aren't going to be in the booth like they were in territory days. Yeah. But still, we have social media. So guess what? If you got caught messaging a 16-year-old girl, everyone's going to know about it. You might as well just never wrestle again. Or just don't do the shit. Don't talk to a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. Well, you, ideally, that's what, we all, that's what they should all do. <laughs> um, but... Um, like if, when it comes out about some of these guys, and it's, one is too many, obviously, but you know a couple of them have come to have been uh, outed, as it were, in the last couple of years, and it's all over Facebook, it's all over Instagram. Yeah. Before that, you know it, you just don't see these guys anymore. Yeah. That's why. Uh, and as for racism, that's always been a part of the business. I'm sorry to say, uh, but even that, even guys like that, they kind of get outed. Um, so hopefully it's it's a weird time when wrestling, pro wrestling, is the banner for good things. That's weird to me because usually it's the other way around. Yeah. The, rest, the wrestling business overall is better at filtering out 
racist and homophobes and you know, kid punchers. No, man, I don't think anybody's really been uh, outed as a kid puncher, but there's been guys that, you know, filed on their phones like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the less said about them, the better. Mm, all right. Um, like I got a lot of questions for you, so I hope I'm not taking your time. But no, no, no. Um, being that you're a wrestler, and we, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of hectic fans, and fans are getting kind of clever in different ways of how to uh, insult wrestlers. Before you had to go to the show and maybe hopefully get seats good enough for the wrestler in the ring to hear you. Now you have social media and you have all these portals for you to reach wrestlers and insult them or maybe compliment them. What would you say, because I have a lot of people listening, what would you say is like the best way for a fan to approach a pro wrestler? If they want to insult me? No, not insult, but like just, just, not necessarily insult, but just like, you know, just to have a conversation or just, you know, to be on a friendly manner. Like, because, like, I, I, I know it's weird, man. Like, I, like, do wrestlers enjoy being approached in character or, you know, or is it like, hey, hey, how are you? Nice match. And that's it. Keep it moving. Like. What what would you consider like an appropriate way for fans to approach a wrestler when when they're not yeah, in the I mean, it's pretty it's pretty simple. Just don't be an asshole about it. Yeah. If you want to tell me I suck because I'm a bad guy, I guess it, I get it. That's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, if you want to say, oh, your work rate is terrible or your spot didn't make sense or you know some other smart mark insider bullshit, obviously I'm I'm probably just not even going to sell it. To be honest with you, um, meaning I won't acknowledge you. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to just compliment them, yeah, that's always nice. I mean, at the end of the day, we're still artists, especially because on the independence, we have to... It, once upon a time, a heel would be a heel all night. And I try to be a heel, but I'm also trying to sell some merch. You know, I like to eat, too. <laughs> so, um, so I can't be a full-on asshole while I'm trying to get you to buy my uh, 8x10s or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a perfect time to come up to me and say, I like your match, or that was funny, or... Hey, where else do you work? You know, yeah, yeah. go ahead. You know, I, at least for me, I can't speak for everybody, yeah. but I don't mind it. I'm just flattered because, and maybe like age is making me soft. You know, the fact that you even want to talk to me is complimentary. Yeah. Okay, that's 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 a good way to look at it. You know, I mean. I just, I mean, I go to a lot of shows, and uh, I think I was the last one I went to was at the Garden, and um, my kid asked me, "Hey, Dad, can we go around the block and see if we can see any other wrestlers?" We did last year, and he, well, the kid well, made that's a, a whole different thing. I'm just talking about an indie level, but go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll see why. So he's like, "Dad, we, you know, last year we went and he met a lot of people. You know, I've seen like a lot of people, like a lot of adult fans." act like children when they see their favorite maybe because they're marking out i get it you know like but try to keep your composure remember yo these are people just like you like give the kids a chance to shine and let them get to meet their idol the people they you know yeah. they adore they see on tv so anyways so he sees uh ronda rousey and ronda comes over and you know she's they, he starts talking like it was weird she walked over to him i don't know why she, and they, they had like a nice brief conversation she shook his hand, she hugged him, and she posed for a picture. So in the middle of that, there was other kid, like other grown men, because 90% of the people out there were grown men, chanting stupid shit like, oh, you can't wrestle. Um, um, who's the lady that knocked her out in UFC? Oh, I don't know. Well, anyways, they were chanting that lady's name. So she, you could tell she kind of looked like really, really uncomfortable. And she dipped. She left. She got in her truck and she left, which ruined it oh, for her. you? 
Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I asked the question, like, how should fans approach the pro wrestler? You know, because you got then you guys are just well, regular well, not, human beings. Not like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not like that. Like you know, so it's just it was just it was just weird. But um, um, where am I going with this? Because I'm you know uh, <laughs> fans are assholes. Yeah, it? fans are assholes. Basically, fans are assholes, and you know, the first thing I learned was you treat people not just wrestlers, but you treat them how you want to be treated. So when I meet people, yeah. I see wrestlers, I treat them how I would want them to treat me. And and 9 out of 10, it becomes like a really great experience on both ends. So I appreciate that. So I'm looking at the clock, and we're running out of time. And I thought I'd never say that because it's the first time I've actually almost run out of time. But is like, I would love for you to cut a promo in character before we get off the air. Can you oh, do that? Sure. Yeah, can you do that? Sure. All right, so let's go. Let's hear it, man. You're live. Okay, listen up, you smarks. You might learn something here when you listen to this podcast. I'm Prince Agadon, the cult classic, and this is Burying the Smarts. And we're going to bury you up to your ears in knowledge. We're going to drop this knowledge all over you, and you're going to be a new man. In fact, you're going to be a man for the first time in your life. Get smart, maggot. God damn it, I'm cheesing, man. I'm cheesing right now. I got a promo. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I got a promo, man. But try to, I'm, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the intro to almost every podcast. That's fucking awesome, man. That's flattering. That's flattering. That is. All right, man. Yeah, so man, have me back for a part two or three or whatever. I'm always definitely. Back. We spoke. I love what you do. I love your I love your Instagram, bro. The second I saw your stuff, I'm like, I gotta follow this guy. Appreciate it's it, a man. Great. It's a great addition to the anti-smart culture that is building. Appreciate so, it. Thanks for fighting the good fight. Thank you, and, man. Uh, if anybody wants to find me online. Like I said, it's at Prince Akhenaten, P-R-I-N-C-E. Akhenaten is A-K-A-N-A-T-A-N. A-K-K-A-N-A-T-A-N. That's right. I just want to thank you for coming. I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm going to log this out, and then I guess we'll finish talking before and then just wrap some things up. But thank you again. Thank you for the promo. You just made my day in 2020 when we started two weeks ago. So thank you very much for your time. I know you got a hectic schedule. You know, we've been planning on this for a couple of days now. And I've been wanting to get you on for a while now. Just wasn't sure you would be up to it. But thank you so much. You know, I'm, I'm honored that you even came on to my podcast. It's fucking dope, man. Like, oh, first pro wrestler, man. You, you popped the cherry first pro wrestler on the podcast. And it was fucking it's an amazing. Honor. It's a real honor. Thank you. I got a promo out of this, man. Look at that. All right, man. So thank you for thank you for coming in. Thank you for checking out, man. It's your boy, Baroness Marks, and my boy, Prince Akatan. Did I get it right? Close enough. <laughs> All right, man. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Later.